0: Enoch is now presented as the second exemplar of faith. The account in Hebrews is of course drawn from Genesis chapter 5. Let me read from there, verses 21 to 24. Genesis 5, 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, there he says it again, and he was not, for God took him. Now, the only other place that Enoch is mentioned in the scriptures, other than maybe a birth or a genealogical record, is in the book of Jude. That's just two verses, so listen as I read that as well. That's Jude verses 14 and 15. And then you will have heard, really, all of the content uh, of Scripture about Enoch. Jude 14. It was also about these, these false teachers, that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying... Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now let's examine our text in Hebrews under the following three headings. First, let's look at the facts of Enoch's life. That's found in verse 5. The facts of Enoch's life. Enoch is counted as the seventh from Adam through the godly line of Seth. He's an ordinary man. He has a father and a mother. He has sisters and brothers. He marries... He has multiple children. And if we take the generational information in Genesis as historical as we should, Enoch would have known all of his ancestors, including Adam and Seth, assuming they lived near enough to each other to see each other. They were still alive. Enoch is the first in the Bible of whom it is said that he walked with God. It says it twice in the Genesis account. God is said to have walked with Adam in the garden. That may well have been a pre-incarnate bodily manifestation of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. In other words, a literal stepping together. But Enoch's walk with God should be taken metaphorically. That is, it means he was a friend of God. He had an intimate and commended relationship with God. He drew near to God in faith and was pleasing to God. It may be that God manifested himself to Enoch in a bodily form. The Bible doesn't tell us. And this is not what this phrase is referring to. Later in Genesis, Noah, Abraham, and Isaac are all said to have walked with God, which points not to a supernatural appearance of God, although he did supernaturally appear to some of them, but simply that they lived their lives alert to the continual presence of God. They walked with God, they feared God, and lived in obedience. Enoch walked with God. The Septuagint is the name given to the book that is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. It was made several hundred years before Christ uh, came to earth, and this was the Bible uh, used predominantly during the time of Christ. Most of the quotations of the Old Testament that we find in our New Testament... They're not a quote from the Hebrew, they're a quote from the Septuagint. That is the Greek translation, because most of the Jews didn't know how to speak or read Hebrew anymore. They had spread out and they'd become Hellenized. They knew Greek, but they didn't know Hebrew. <clears throat> all of the quotations in the book of Hebrews are all from the Septuagint, all from the Greek translation. And this is true in verse 5. Toward the end of the verse, um, the author simply quotes the Septuagint when he says he was commended as having pleased God. Now clearly, the translators understood walked with God to mean was pleasing to God. They took it not as a statement that God physically manifested himself to Enoch and they literally on legs walked together, but that Enoch drew near to God by faith and so he was commended or pleasing to God. In other words, Enoch's way of life was one lived to God, lived for God, not against or away from God like Uncle Cain. Enoch, according to all of these texts, was a man of faith. This meant that he believed all that was revealed to him. He trusted the word of God as it was passed down to him, perhaps, by his godly forebears. He lived according to God's promises. He was a just man who lived by faith. (laughs) And so he, like Abel, was approved by God. Faith according to our text, is why he was pleasing to God. But we've also learned that Enoch was a prophet. We learned that in Jude. Again, he's like Abel in this. But with Enoch, we actually know some of the content that God revealed to him. We know nothing of what God revealed to Abel, but we have actually quite a bit of data in those two verses about what God told Enoch. Enoch knew the true God. Enoch believed in angels and a future judgment. He believed in sin and that it brought misery. Just like Abraham and Job, who believed in the resurrection, and it isn't recorded how or when they learned it, (laughs) So Enoch knew the promise of God that judgment comes to sinners, but the reward of life comes to those with faith. Amen. What is most remarkable, though, about Enoch is what isn't said about him. Unlike all of the others in the Genesis 5 genealogy, it never says about Enoch, and he died. Every other person and he died and he died it gets repetitive it's not said of enoch in hebrews 11:5, 5 it describes the event this way enoch was taken in genesis it said he was not for god took him now this taking is just the word for removed for being removed The word means to take from one place and set in another place. So Enoch did not die. Instead, God took him from earth and placed him in heaven. As has been said of others, in this, Enoch changed his place, but he didn't change his company. He walked with God on earth, and he was going to walk with God in heaven. Verse 5 says that this taking was not a form of death. It says he did not see death. Now, see here means to experience. Just like in John 3, when Jesus says, you can't uh, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. It means you can't experience it. You can't enter it. Well, that's what it is here. Enoch never saw death. Oh, he saw death with his eyes around him, I presume, but he, he never experienced it himself. He never died. His soul and his body were never split. They were never separated as all the others around him either had experienced or were about to experience. Elijah is another person who who knew this kind of rescue from death. And so Enoch went from life to higher life. And all of this is confirmed by the repetition of verse 5 where it says, and he was not found. I mean, think about it. Here's this man. He's married. He has family. Lots of them presumably around. He's 365 years old. He's there one Thursday, and the next day, maybe it was a Friday, he's gone. He's just gone. People searched for him, presumably. They didn't find him. He wasn't there anymore. He was elsewhere. He had been removed. He had been translated. He had been taken by God to himself in heaven. That's where he went, to God. Now, why would God do this? Why would God do this? You know, pretending to give God's mind when he doesn't answer is always a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. But the Bible does, at least partially, or in general terms, and in at least one specific way, answer this question of why. First, and I'm going to give you three answers to why. First, God sometimes removes believers from this life to protect them, to save them from evil or trouble. And in this, an early removal as his certainly was, right? All his ancestors are living to 900 and something years old. This guy's a teenager. But this is a blessing. This is a kindness from God. Sometimes that's why God does these things. Secondly, God does it sometimes in order to reward a person. And this is clearly the case with Enoch. I mean, our text tells us this. If we compare verse 6 with verse 5 this is what we get. Enoch believed in God and he believed that sin brought judgment, but faith and righteousness brought reward. He knew the promise of the resurrection and eternal life. His faith commended him to God and so God rewarded him. Now, others believe these truths and God waited to give them their reward. Enoch's reward just comes early. It just comes early. And being removed from a world that Genesis describes as being increasingly violent and evil, that's a great reward, let alone where he's going, to be with God, the greatest reward. But there's a third reason I think the Bible would tell us about why he takes some early, as it were. To encourage us that God will take believers who are alive when Christ returns directly to himself. Enoch proves that you don't have to die to go to heaven. You you don't, that's the normal way. (laughs) But you don't have to die to go to heaven. Enoch didn't die and and he went to heaven. Elijah didn't die and he went to heaven. And everyone who believes, who has saving faith and is on the earth when Jesus Christ returns, won't die. They'll have to wait a minute. They're not first in order. They're second. (laughs) The dead will be raised first, and those will be united to Christ. But then those who are living will be caught up to him. Not through death. They will never see death. They will not experience death. God can take you after death to himself or before death to himself. And so in this, Enoch displays the power and the freedom frankly, the sovereignty that God has over death and life. A final thing to kind of sum up the facts of Enoch's life. Enoch's pleasing God was rooted in his faith. By faith he was taken up, it says. Now in our day, some might say, oh, I don't have that kind of faith. This is not a name it and claim it kind of faith. This is not, well, if I could dream it, I'll claim it in God's name and and God will have to do it. I'll essentially control him that way. That's not biblical faith. Amen. That's arrogant, usually self-aggrandizing, self-interested faith, which isn't saving faith. Now, Enoch's faith is seen in that he believes God's revelation and trusted that he would make it so. He believed God's word, and God commended that faith, and then, grace upon grace, he rewarded that faith. And he happened to do it sooner with Enoch than anyone before, and only a few after. Here's our second point from the text. The spiritual, we see the spiritual truth illustrated in Enoch's life. Now that we've got Enoch's life and the facts and about his faith down, we go to verse 6 and we realize that there's a spiritual truth. There's, a, there's a, a principle that illustrates, is illustrated by Enoch. Verse 6 says, and without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those Who seek him. This verse teaches us that faith is the only means of pleasing God. This is how Enoch was commended or approved by God through faith. Faith is the exclusive way to draw near to God. With any other approach to God, it's impossible to please him. Faith must be present if you are to successfully draw near. You can't come acceptably in prayer or in worship without faith. You can't please God without faith. If you bring faith and works or faith and sincerity or faith and good intentions or faith and a self-changed life or faith and anything else, you won't be pleasing to God. Why? Because this is God's way and this is the way that glorifies Him best. Because it shows that you are entirely dependent on the grace of God for your salvation. It wasn't mostly His work and some of your work, it wasn't a lot of your good things and some of God's good things. No. You come with the empty hand of faith and you say, you tell me what the right object is. You tell me what to grasp onto it, oh God. And when he says, oh, it's my son, the empty hand of faith reaches out and has infinite riches, the infinite riches of Jesus Christ. And then you're right with God. Why? Because all of that's from God. None of it's from you. Remember, and I know some of you children got this a few weeks ago, faith always Leans, right? Faith doesn't stand on its own. It doesn't have that kind of power. It's always leaning on someone or something else. Faith leans solely on God and His promises and His Son. And when we do that, we can draw near to God and we are acceptable to God. Our only hope to be right with God is through faith. Now, this faith, as I have in recent weeks endlessly beaten into your poor heads. Hi. Hi has content. Faith, biblical saving faith, has content. It has a God-ordained object in which it trusts. Biblical saving faith is not just some raw act of the human will by itself. It's not faith in faith. It's not a leap in the dark. It's belief in something or on something or in someone or on someone. And very basically, verse 6 tells us what that something and someone is. It is first that God exists. You must believe that to draw near or to walk or to be approved or pleasing or commended by God. Saving faith, the belief in God, this is not an imaginary journey in your mind, as so many of our friends and neighbors would tell us. It's a seeking Of the living God. That's what faith is. It's a seeking of the living God. It is impossible to be approved by God unless you believe he exists. And second, that all those who do seek him are rewarded. That he rewards those who seek him that in pursuing him, in hearing him, and obeying him is the greatest good in life, and it's worth it because huh, he is a God is good and gracious, and he delights to bless them by rewarding them when they seek him. Now remember faith, if we kind of go back to verse 1 and set it in the midst of verse 6. Faith takes the promises of God, those are the rewards, if you will, right? those promises, and believes them. Faith believes the promises of God. Faith believes in the rewards of God. And remember what faith is. It makes things substantial. It makes things that are future somehow seem or actually to exist within the heart of that person. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith celebrates the reality of future blessings. So Enoch, who hoped for the goal of being with God forever as he walked with him on this earth, he got to experience walking with God now and later. He looked forward to eternal life in the future, But by faith, he began to experience eternal life in this life, just like we do. His faith made the promises of God present to himself. Enoch believed God, and he believed in all of his promised rewards. And so through faith, he gained them, not just in the life to come, although that's true, in this life as well. And this is how all men at all times and in all places please God by believing that he exists and that his promises are true and sure. That when we seek God he will reward us by letting us find him? Oh, it's better than that. It's by he revealing himself to us as we begin to murkily stagger around in the half dark. This is the beauty of of the story of the prodigal son. Uh, God is at work in his heart and mind, right? He comes to himself. And what does he do? Oh, I I have to go back to my father. And as he comes home, the father doesn't wait for him to get all the way home before revealing himself, does he? He rushes out to meet him. If you will seek God by faith, he will meet you. He will show himself to you. Now, later, when you know more, you realize that he's the one who put that seeking in your heart. Amen. You've never sought you would have never sought him by yourself. So in one sense, he was seeking you first, and so you responded by seeking Him. But when you seek Him, you will find him. Isn't that what Jesus promised? Mm-hmm. Knock, It'll be opened. Seek, you will find. Jesus isn't lying. He's not giving some kind of false promise. He's telling you if you will do that, you will find God. You will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. God is to Enoch and to every believer what he was to Abraham. Genesis 15. He was his great reward. Hebrews 10.35, don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Faith believes the promises, and they come true. They bring great reward. And that, of course, is ultimately God himself. And what a reward he is. The greatest and best of beings becomes ours. He who is all-loving, just, and infinitely good in every way becomes ours. We walk with him as friend with friend. So if you draw near to God in faith, he will reward your search. These are the eternal truths that Enoch's life illustrated. All right. Now, three uses and we'll be done. First, Enoch's life tells us that there is a future blessed life with God through faith. There is a future blessed life with God through faith. And of course, Enoch rather dramatically demonstrates this. This world, kids, is not all there is. There is a God outside and above it who delights to reward those of his creatures who seek him for glory. And he gives them heaven and himself. So Christian, when you're tired, when you're hurting, when you're ready to give up, when you're wondering if this constant fight called the Christian life is worth it all, remember Enoch. Remember Enoch. There is a future blessed life with God through faith. First in heaven, and then in, a, in greater measure, in the new heavens and the new earth, where God will what? Walk with his people forever. Amen. Second use. Enoch should encourage any saints living on the earth when Christ returns. Perhaps Jesus Christ will return soon. If he does, maybe some of you will be alive. Oh, what a privilege you will have. Again, yes, you'll have to wait for the dead to be raised first, for their bodies to come alive by the call of Jesus Christ. But then you who are alive will be caught up with Christ. You will not have to experience death. What a gift. What a joy. What a reward to not know the natural or the unnatural disruption of your human unity, but to simply in an instant be changed to go from walking with Christ to walking with Christ better. A better body, a better spirit, in a better place with the best of beings. And third and finally, faith in this promise leads to a holy life. Enoch proves that well also. Faith in God led Enoch to walk with God. He was a just man who lived by faith. So faith will also lead us to walk in the path of purity, of good works, of obedience, of love. 1 John 3, 2 and 3 says this. Beloved, we are God's children now. So the future promise of adoption By faith, it's already ours. We already possess it. We are now God's children. Mm -hmm. Praise his name. Mm -hmm. And what we will be has not appeared. Oh, it gets much better than this body and this spirit. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. That's exactly the same promise that Enoch received. He had it in seed form we have it in greater fullness. That promise led him to a righteous life. So what effect should that promise and that truth have on us? Verse 3 of 1 John 3 answers that question. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. All who have faith purify themselves. Do you hope for deliverance from the miseries of this world through the return of Jesus Christ? Then you will be about the business of purifying yourself now. You will be holy as he is holy. You will walk with God. Now, notice I'm not commanding you to do that. I mean, I suppose in a certain way I am. I'm, I'm setting a, a standard or a rule that's true for Christians, but I'm not using the imperative. I'm telling you that's what will happen. Mm, and that should encourage you. Mm-hmm. That should not discourage you to work at holiness. That should encourage you to work at holiness. This will happen mm-hmm. to all those who have saving faith. Do, do you believe the promise? <laughs> then hear another promise everyone not some not a select few everyone who hopes in him purifies himself he does do it that man that woman does do it how can john be so sure oh if he knew how weak my heart was if he knew my circumstances he wouldn't write so all-inclusively no john was not mistaken you are my friend Our hearts are lying to us. We need to believe the word of God before we believe our hearts. How can John be so sure? Because there are other promises in God's word that underlie this. (laughs) He says things like, I will put within you a heart of flesh. Or I will give you my spirit and he will never depart. Or I who begin a good work in you will complete it. God is not going to abandon those that he has planted faith in. He's not going to do that. And therefore, everyone with that kind of faith will purify themselves. So, brethren, like Enoch, believe the promises of God because in them you will find strength from God to walk with God in a pleasing way. Let's pray.